The following podcast contains true stories of sex, kink, gender, or body image. Thanks for being a consenting adult, because here we go. All of my life, I've never fit, but I won't complain and I won't quit. I am enormous, get used to it. Everyone tells me I'm too much, maybe it's just you're not enough for me. I'm the kind of woman I'm supposed to be Hi there, and welcome to the Body Storytelling Podcast. I'm sexual folklorist Dixie De La Tour, and this week we have a story from church leader and performer Lysol Tony Romeo. <laughs> hey there, how's your week going? Well, the shit has hit the fan here at home, and so what do you do when things get bad in the place that you live? You hit the road. So remember that big trip I told you about last week? Well, it's happening. It's happening right now, as a matter of fact. So I hope you're thinking about me driving an RV, trying to figure out who I am next. And uh, I can't tell you where I'm going because here's the thing. Do you know that rule number one of being a woman who RVs is that you're not supposed to post pictures on social media or announce on social media where you're going. You're not supposed to do those things until you've left for safety reasons. We've all heard stories lately about women being hurt or killed on the road, and I can't really believe that's my reality, but I'm going to do it because that seems smart. So I can't tell you where I'm going. I'll tell you after I'm back. But think of me right now, driving down the highway, my best friend Lil P's with me, Quake is with me. He's on this road trip with me, and we're off to have adventures. The adventures will involve hot springs and visits with friends and a little national park action and more. Be patient with me with the episodes because this trip is sorely needed. I'm so excited to get out of my house because things are moving out right now as we figure out who's keeping what. And after 12 years together, we bought everything together. So it's getting weird. What do you do when shit gets weird? You hit the road. All right, I'll tell you more soon. And oh my God, I'm so excited. The holidays are coming up. Are you looking for the perfect erotic gift for you and your partner? Like a Kitten will light up your sex life with their naughty or nice box. It's the most wonderful time of the year and you don't wanna spend your hours online researching and shopping for the best lubes, sex toys, and accessories. Luckily, Like a Kitten has done the work for us and curated a box full of awesome products. Like a Kitten creates sexy seasonal gift boxes with all your erotic essentials from tempting lubes to binding ties. All shipped discreetly to your door in one amazing box. Their Naughty or Nice box is perfect for the couple looking to heat things up this winter. It comes with a Christmas cracker, aka a mini vibe and cockering, butter rum lube, the naughty or nice game set, a massage candle, black satin binding ties, a gold lariat necklace, a mini whip, 
and kitten matches. If you've been wanting to get a little kinky with your partner and haven't been sure how to bring it up, the Naughty or Nice game set, mini whip, and black satin binding ties can help get the conversation going. Like a Kitten also has a holiday bestie box designed for your best friend. How great would you feel if a friend thought about your pleasure and got you a sweet box, complete with a clit stimulator and tingly lip balm? Right now, Like a Kitten is offering our listeners 20% off and free shipping when you go to likeakitten.com slash Dixie or enter code D-I-X-I-E at checkout. And the link to that is in this episode's show notes. Best of all, a portion of all Like a Kitten sales go to charities that focus on women's empowerment, education, and health. So this holiday season, you can turn yourself on and help women around the world. Just go to likeakitten.com slash Dixie or use promo code Dixie to get 20% off these incredible boxes. Holy Hitachi Magic Wand, it's December. You know what? There's lots of holidays in December. And you're looking for a great gift, aren't you? You already told me that. I already knew that. So I'm going to give you two options that will not only help you support body, but it will give the perfect gift. I'm teaching a storytelling workshop in January. Tickets will be on sale soon. If you haven't seen the link yet, just go to DixieAtBodyStorytelling.com and let me know you're interested. It's a great gift. And I already have people who are planning to give it to their parents. I like those people. The other option is storytelling for self-discovery, where I can work one-on-one with you. My specialty is custom crafted coaching, where I take someone who's never done this and teach them how to get a standing ovation. It's happened for so many years now, and you deserve more standing ovations in 2022. So send me an email, Dixie at BodyStorytelling.com. And next week, I'll have a link in the show notes so that you can reserve your spot in the workshop or book your custom crafted coaching with me. So, you know, storytelling is my life's work, but I do more than just body storytelling. I also do bona fide storytelling. Bonafide storytelling is very body adjacent, but it is without the sex or kink. There's no in and out, in and out in the stories. It's about the emotional complexities that storytelling is known for, particularly our kind of storytelling. I got special permission to share this story with you, so let me tell you about the storyteller. Lysol Tony Romeo is the lead conceptual artist behind the First Church of the Sacred Silver Sexual, which has won an SF Best of the Bays editor pick and puts on a yearly Bowie birthday bash at the chapel in San Francisco each January. I go every year. It is phenomenal. In 2016, he mounted a conceptual political campaign as DJ Action President in the form of a YouTube channel featuring satirical political ads and commentary on big donations in politics. He is a founding member of Music for the Apocalypse, or MUFTA, a theatrical dance punk band that is in no way to be held legally responsible for the current apocalypse. This storyteller is Lysol Tony Romeo. A question for the ladies in the audience. (laughs) Do you guys remember the first time you got all dressed up, hair on point, makeup game strong, 
to step out into the night as a woman? I know I do. It was uh, January 2014, <laughs> just shy of 30 years old. Got a tight black dress, auburn wig, jewelry to cover the chest hair, eight pairs of leggings, and some leopard print heels. The cab comes, so me and my drag mom step out into Hyde and O'Farrell, and all of a sudden this wave of fear washes over me. I look left, the kid's selling drugs in the corner, I look right to the homeless guy muttering angrily to himself, and I look down at my heels and I think, those are pretty fucking sharp. I could, I could probably stab somebody with that if need be. <laughs> Just another day living as a man dressed like a woman in San Francisco. So I moved here in August 2007, straight out of college in Santa Barbara for the three Ps, legal pot, public transportation, and punk rock music. I started a band called Dirty Dave and the Deviants, the best punk band none of you have ever heard of. It's a really angry punk rocker with this no interest in looking visually interesting on stage and an active disdain for people that only listened to dance music. It's kind of full of myself, you know? My first house was all the way out on the in Judah line at Ocean Beach. I moved in with a, uh, a friend of mine from high school and a couple of his bro friends that he knew from college that also grew up in SoCal like me. This one roommate named Adam had this Jack Russell terrorist that just would not <laughs> stop barking. <laughs> Adam was never home, his room smelled like shit, and it was all day, every day with the dog. So one day, in this fit of anger, I storm into his room, I grab the little motherfucker, and I put him in a closet and close the door. Oh, please. <laughs> Adam doesn't like that. We get into a fight that involves me giving him a black eye, kicking out a window of my bandmate's van. Bandmate freaks out, kicks both of us out of the car, leaves us on the side of the road in Bayview in the middle of the night. I immediately start blubbering and apologizing, and he, he forgives me in that I'm your roommate, I kind of have to type sense. <laughs> But I, I can kind of tell that the roommates are looking for a space, our lease is almost up, and I haven't been included, so draw your conclusions from that. A couple weeks later, spring 2008, we're walking back from a house party in the Richmond. Uh, it's me, my roommates, and uh, their friend Mike. Mike's uh, medium height, short cropped hair, uh, kind of look like the Verizon, do, can you hear me now guy? <laughs> nicest guy, nicest guy. So we're walking back. Um, just about passing Beach Chalet. Got this gigantic bottle of Redfoot, uh, barefoot wine that I've been slowly drinking the entire night. <laughs> Me and Adam start getting in a fight. We start arguing again. Mike gets in between us looking to break it up. And before I know it, my hand is pulling back like this. And it starts falling through and my brain's thinking, no, you don't wanna do this, don't do this, don't stop, stop, stop. But I'm drunk, I'm a step too late. Mike turns away from Adam and looks at me just in time to see the bottle crash down on his forehead. Not enough time to react. He drops to the floor. There's no blood, but he's, he's not breathing. And I get this, oh my God, what the fuck did I just do feeling? And it's the cold sweats, heart starts pounding, tunnel vision kind of narrowing the situation. That weird kind of like, wow, 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 what happens when you're drunk and in trouble? I don't know if that, anybody? No. <laughs> I'm looking at the bottle, it's still in my hand. It hasn't broken somehow. I toss it just far enough into the bushes that the cops don't find it looking for it later. The lifeguard in me kicks in and I go to check to see if he's breathing. 
He is, but just barely. I know from experience that with blunt force trauma like this, there's probably some sort of internal bleeding and he might not have long. I perform the first aid just long enough to get the ambulance there and then I slink off to my house to weigh my options. I could run, but I don't have any money or anywhere to go. I could try killing myself, but that didn't work too well last time. Or I could sit there and wait for the cops to come. I decided to sit there and wait for the cops to come. They charged me with assault with a deadly weapon. I'm taken into jail. I'm in jail for about 24 hours under 850 Bryant, the highlight of which was calling my little sister from a jail cell and having her call my parents in South America on vacation to get the bail money to get me out of jail. I'm in jail just long enough to really kind of sit and think about, not just this time, but all the times I've gotten angry, gotten in fights with no legal repercussions. The pit in my stomach kind of tells the truth that this is, this is me being punished not just for one time, but for a lifetime of trying to solve problems with violence. I am completely humbled. Because I'm white and polite, and it's my first violent offense, I'm able to plead to a, plead to a misdemeanor. I get three, month, or three years probation, three months with an ankle bracelet, and 52 weeks of a domestic violence class. Now, I, I didn't get convicted of domestic violence, but I didn't object, because at this point, I'm utterly humbled. I feel like I have no reason or no right to judge anybody else. Sure, this guy may have cut me off in traffic or this lady was addicted to me on the bus, but did they ever hit anybody over the head with a bottle for no good reason? No. So I decided to go into this class with an open mind. You know, like, why, try it for, why fight it for 52 weeks? So on a Tuesday, I go over to the sheriff's office near the courthouse. I come upon this uh, parking lot. These guys look straight out of high school, out of the ones that looks like they could be grandfathers. All races represented. Uh, they're divided into cliques. Some cliques are laughing and joking around. Some are just sitting there smoldering with resentment. And then there's a handful of loners like me that are just trying to hide how terrified they are. Sheriff finally tells us it's time to come in, so we file in single file. We get patted down and put our phones in a plastic bin so we can't use them till the end of class. And as I'm walking up to the classroom, I see this big poster on the wall. There's a woman holding her hand to a black eye. To her left is a small child huddling like this. And to the right, there's a man, or a shadow outline of a man with his hand outstretched like this. Caption says, is this what a man looks like? Violence is a learned behavior. It can be unlearned. And that really, really struck me because I never felt like I wanted to be violent. It just kind of felt like an obligation, like it was part of being a man. So this class combines meditation techniques, um, learning to breathe instead of engaging your fight or flight reflex, and some basic psychology. The facilitators running the class, all of them are graduates of the class themselves, tough, no nonsense, that type of stuff. We learn a lot about the male role belief system, which is the set of rules about what a man should and shouldn't do, what a woman should and shouldn't be. All the horrible advice you ever got from older teens, drunk uncles, and other sources of information. They learn to really be present in the moment, to feel your emotions and your senses. To learn how to fade your hitman, which is the part of you, the persona that comes out ready to fight, to reestablish your honor or your respect or any of that type of stuff. To try to find your authentic self inside you, um, hidden beneath all of the fear and anger really resonated with me because I don't know about you guys, but I've got this idealized pre-social childhood version of me before the world got to me. 
And I could feel it talking inside of me, even though I tried to muffle it with all of my instincts. There's this exercise called the destruction cycle. Man sits in the, in the center of a semicircle, the whiteboard behind him with the destruction cycle written out. And the men in the semicircle help walk him through the violent incident, the sequence of events that led him to getting to that class in the first place. At one point, they ask you to try to think about what your emotions were in that moment. And there, we have an emotion wheel. There's hurt, there's happy. Those are the two main ones. And there's also sad, angry, excited, passionate, content, and afraid. While most men readily admit that they are angry or even sad in the moment, it takes a good 15 to 20 minutes to prod out of these people that they were afraid. I remember this one kid, Javier, little guy, huge white t-shirt, jeans, kind of looking like Fievel. He, I know, I love that guy. <laughs> he took the longest out of anybody in the class. I remember those of us who had already done the exercise kept trying to like talk him into it. And I remember at one point there's this moment of realization followed by this sad sinking of defeat. He hit his girlfriend because he was scared he was going to leave her. And all I'm thinking in the moment is 50% of the population in this world can't admit that they're afraid. And if you can't admit that you're afraid, how can you ever really feel safe? I made it out of that class. Once you learn to admit the fear, you can start to let it go. I look back now and I can't believe how far I've come and how distant I am from that person. Turns out being vulnerable is really good for personal and artistic growth. And that's the story of the drag queen you see before you today. Thank you.
That was Now You're a Man by DVDA, also known as Trey Parker and Matt Stone of South Park. And that's from the movie Orgasmo. There's a secret club I want to invite you to. It's Body's Patreon. Come chat with me and some of the storytellers featured in the live shows or on the podcast. Watch and listen to behind-the-scenes stories and hear these podcast episodes with no commercial interruptions. If you love body storytelling or sex and kink, join your new body friends who will share openly from their own lives, telling you their real-life tales of kink, polyamory, swinging, sex parties, and gender-related stories that will inspire you to make 2022 the year that you make your own adventurous dreams come true. Right now, I've got a special holiday offer for new Patreon members. You'll receive a custom-made thank you card from me, and inside, I'll include a golden key to a whole new world, along with collectible body stickers. Plus, if you act now, you'll get access to every single previous body livestream replay. All of them. All for joining Body's Patreon at the $10 a month level or higher. But hurry, this offer expires on December 31st. You'll smile that secret smile as you finger that little golden key dangling from your keychain or necklace, flagging your love for sex, kink, gender, and story. It's our very own secret safe space to belong to, where you can listen, tell, and connect on a deeper level. Discover what joy awaits you in the body speakeasy. Go to patreon.com slash body right now, and I'll see you inside. Well, that's the end of our time together. But before I go, I want to say thank you to the people who make this podcast possible every week. Thank you to David Grossoff, Joe Moore, Mosa Maxwell-Smith, Donald Mooney, and especially to Marty Garcia, our podcast producer. I'm sexual folklorist Dixie De La Tour. This has been episode 204. <laughs> I bit my tongue. This has been episode 204 of the Body Storytelling Podcast. Thanks for listening. Fly gigantic, a big-